In this episode, Dr. Cashy looks at conspiracy theories surrounding sugar and its toxicity. With more people assuming that sugar leads to obesity and chronic diseases, Dr. Cashy separates facts from fiction and provides some perspective. A little bit of the science kind. Tune in for a fascinating and informative discussion on sugar's complexities in the body and in life. Roll the intro! Hello, and welcome to <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. And today's lesson plows forth into the salty controversy of sugar. It's toxicity. The flagrant and borderline embarrassing transfer of agency to sugar in the increasing levels of obesity and chronic disease, and most important, the practical and pragmatic implications for you. What to do about this, if anything? Why should anybody care? What does this mean? So here's what, is your, here's what you are learning. Here's what you're learning. Why sugar, although strictly speaking is a polar molecule, is a polarizing topic, creating lots of impassioned people. Funny enough, knowing about molecular polarity would solve lots of problems. But that is for another cup of joe. Anyway, how that polarization in the big picture creates few winners and lots of losers. And how TCAN resolves this dilemma in a practical way, rationally and constructively with its clientele. Okay, Sugar is a hot topic because, honestly, so few people know what sugar actually is. Or, more to the point, what sugars actually are. So few people know what sugars are because government policy, public health educators, media outlets, and the general public use the term sugar lackadaisically. It means whatever they want it to mean, depending on the conditions they use it. Who cares if it's an entire class of biochemicals? with all sorts of varying physical and chemical and pharmacological characteristics and polarities and molarities and osmolarities and you know what I'm saying? Probably not, that's the point, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, the same goes for salt, tangentially related, where salts are an entire class of chemical compounds. Uh, but the general consensus is that salt comes out of a shaker and sugar comes out of a bag and that leads to a whole host of problems like absurd differentiations between natural sugar and added sugar and inherent sugar and invert sugar and all sorts of other words, words that's, that you know have educational and entertainment value to the health enthusiast. Um, it's out of the scope of this lesson though. There'll likely be more technical lesson later covering a small bit of that nuance. The important thing is that savvy people looking for a buck or a lot of bucks know exactly what sugars are and choose to use the term to manipulate potential customers or voters, but those are the same thing in many instances, to manipulate them. Uh, their, their job is to work around the equally dumb policies and guidelines, so whatever, that'll always be the thing. Public health educators also know what sugars are, I hope. Um, but they're too bad at public health education to effectively transfer the information in a rational and constructive way. That is, changing for the better at scale. Good luck doing that for them anyhow. Okay? And in, in misguided efforts to talk to the general public with language they understand, which is one of the key components of, of I guess, science communication as it were, is to use language that people understand when they have different professions, is that they end up mistakenly or purposefully or whateverly falling into the trap of using the language created by the same people they're fighting. Whew. Only somebody that went to college could do something that stupid. 
<clears throat> Lazy, absolute, global rating language is the seed of most any polarizing and politicized topic. Sugar is toxic, sugar is bad, etc., etc. Okay. It's probably clear now this lesson makes Dr. Cashy looks like he's look like he's whipping up some conspiracy theories. Let's just assume he's acting crazy. That makes him more entertaining and play on it. It's the sugar conspiracy. Throw down a hashtag conspiracy. Draw a little more humor to this madness. Hashtag conspiracy. People take this stuff too darn serious. That's part of why it's a serious problem. Throwing a little bit of humor into this is good. I wish this was silly conspiracy stuff, but this is just covering fundamental tenets of human behavior, but applying them to the real world, which is kind of scary sometimes. I am biased, of course, but that's the way she goes. Okay, covered that already. Here are a couple of points. Again, we'll get into these more specifically later, but here are some premises. Sugars are a foundational component to life and were essential to human development for what appears to be, gosh, recorded history. Uh, glucose is one of such sugars. Glucose is of such practical significance to human life that the World Health Organization, if you still care about those guys, put it on a list of essential medicines. Forget the obvious incorporation into biochemistry as a whole and as the salient bedrock of oxygen-dependent metabolism. <sighs> These two basic facts that any intelligent person can understand, like, oh, this is a medicine, and oh, this is a bedrock of aerobic metabolism for anything that breathes, directly conflict. Like, they, they, they conflict, okay? The, the sugar is toxic thing conflicts with this. One of the largest bodies of scientific and medical knowledge in existence, and it also conflicts with basic Aristotelian logic. Essential medicine foundational for human development equals toxic. That is, shall you say, a low-quality argument. <laughs> to which you can also say, of course, Dr. Cashy, it depends. It all depends. To which Dr. Cashy says, exactly, exactly. Yet the global rating of literal nutrients as toxic is as pervasive as ever. Fat was on the chopping block however many years ago, I don't know, 40 years ago or so. Um, and now it's sugar. Who knows what it'll be next, right? They're running out of options here. I guess you just cycle. That's the point. The naive person, to the naive person, there, there is the implicit expectation for people to fill gaps, okay? Well, everybody knows it's not actually toxic under all conditions all the time, right? That's what, that's what an intelligent but naive person would say. Well, everybody knows that I'm, this is what I actually mean, that is a flawed and implicit expectation. That is an implicit and flawed, all the above, it's dangerous, okay? In other words, yes, people will fill the gaps. However, they fill the gaps with whatever they fill the gaps with, and chances are that's different from whatever you fill the gaps with. One of the problems with communication is that people think it happens, okay? Therefore, it is the reliance on these implicit expectations of these vague terms that creates so much territoriality and hostility between people that are discussing these things. As a more touchy example here, take the terms like pro-life and pro-choice. Okay. Therefore, taking stances as pro-life and or taking a stance as pro-choice, just like clean eating or toxic sugar, they're logically and scientifically absurd. Practically every human is a fan of making choices. Practically every human is a fan of life in some way. Therefore, having these terms represent entire, entire political and religious and, and lifestyle philosophies is absolutely ridiculous. Here's what it does, though. 
This axiomatic terminology gives people permission to distort their thinking in five ways. It allows them to be cognitively lazy. It allows them to overgeneralize and globally label. Sound familiar? It allows them to be negative. It allows them to worry and subsequently magnify that worry. And it allows them to seek affiliation, thus actively confirming their laziness labels, negativity, and worries. Okay? One, being lazy with your thinking. All the thinking is done for you when everything is wrapped up in a nice fancy label that's super vague. And again, it allows you to overgeneralize. It's a global rating in and of itself. And this means that everything, all the decisions are made for you. The thinking is done for you and the decisions are made for you. How convenient. It allows you to be negative, which is, again, sensitizing yourself to anything that conflicts with the laziness and the labeling. Anything that conflicts with the lazy, the lazy thinking and anything that conflicts with the overgeneralized labels, you are now sensitive to those things that are in conflict with it. Ringing any bells? And that sensitization leads you to forecasting and worrying about the future of well, what happens if this belief system is violated. I'm looking out for all these negative things. What happens if these negative things come true? Therefore, I must protect. I must protect this idea. I must protect this thing. Okay? And then that leads you to seeking affiliation, thereby confirming their lazy thinking, overgeneralized labels, negativity towards conflicting beliefs, and worry about what, what's happening if somebody or something conflicts with those beliefs. Okay? These five distorted thinking patterns, beliefs, whatever term you want to use here, uh, they're equivocal at this point, ironically enough. These five ways that people distort their thinking, they lead indubitably, where's the indubitable glass? They lead indubitably, <laughs> indubitably, to three behavior patterns, almost indubitably to three behavior patterns, creating hierarchical structures, categorizing things based off of a value system, being territorial, mine, 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 and justifying and creating hostility and aggression to defend and or expand the territory oh, with me or against me. Making sense? Vaccines, sugar, religion, politics, global warming, baby seals, uh, puppy mills, whatever. They're all part of the same sorts of conversations with the same sorts of behavior patterns for a reason. You might recognize these three behavior patterns, hierarchical structures, hierarchical structures, territoriality and hostility as competition. For instance, the similarity between chess and football are there for a reason. It's, <laughs> it is claiming territory. It's creating hierarchical structures, hierarchical structures. It is aggressive and it's aggressive. And you claiming and expanding territory and defending it, okay? These activities are exploitive of these ingrained human characteristics. Ah, with that in mind, who are the real winners of competitions? The people who orchestrate the, comp the, the controversy between the competitors. Those are the real winners. Okay, this goes back to this. Few winners, lots of losers, okay? There are very few real winners of competitions. Again, mostly the orchestrators of the controversy creating the competition. The competitors who act as champions of the cause, 
they have to fabricate their own satisfaction with things like honor and patriotism and charity and public health uh, or relatively petty material compensations. In other words, these global ratings in overgeneralized terms, they exploit practically every pre-programmed tool the human brain has to survive. This means that the orchestrators and potentiators of the conflict, in this case, the conflict being something like sugar is bad or sugar is toxic, manipulate people into making decisions that push the, push the agenda forward even when they're oblivious to what the agenda is. If all they think is sugar is toxic or sugar is bad, and then that just kind of spreads on its own, then they'll do all the work, completely oblivious to the damage that they're causing themselves and others, okay? It's these five major thinking distortions. Like here are the five major thinking distortions and three major behavioral patterns in action in the context of a template, okay? It's something like this. I take ownership of and be hostile towards and aggressively defend those in conflict with, insert vague term describing complicated philosophy here, because it has a high value. Okay, checking all these boxes. I take ownership of and be hostile towards and aggressively defend those in direct conflict with, insert vague term describing complicated philosophy here, because it has high value. Hierarchical structures, territoriality, and hostility. Okay, again, Sugar is bad, right? It engenders all of those sorts of thought processes and behaviors. You see it every day. It comes out in marketing, comes out in arguments online, etc. Again, with the intelligent but naive person, there's the assumption of the implied complicated philosophy. Well, sugar's not always bad all the time. Well, that's what you're saying. That is what they're saying when you say sugar is bad. It's a global rating all the time under every circumstance. That's literally the purpose of a global rating. Therefore, if you have the assumption that the complicated philosophy behind the term is implied in the context of the conversation, that is a dangerously flawed assumption that is really part of why it's so polarizing. Because you expect people to fill in gaps, people expect you to fill in gaps, and you both fill in gaps differently, all right? And therefore, mobs and people profiting from mobs take what they see at face value because it's vague and then manipulated consciously or mistakenly to justify their means, such as the nature of people seeking profits from confusion and mobs. All right. So how can sugar and other demonized nutrients that played obviously fundamental roles in human well-being and increases in lifespan and saving of billions of lives probably over the past 150 years or so be suddenly almost ubiquitously responsible for the prevalence of obesity and so-called non-communicable chronic disease and various other metabolic derangements. So this course of lessons is to challenge the concept of diet centrism. That is the tactful term that more reasonable scientists use to describe what is essentially a disease mongering through sugar. It is it is purposeful neglect of biological sense. It is willful ignorance of systems-based thinking, and it shows pitiful levels of persistence in pushing comprehensive approaches to health and well-being. It's all bark with no bite, and whatever bark there is, it's more of a whimper. It's sad, okay? It's far more convenient as physicians and researchers and media outlets and, and government agencies and public health educators to embrace willful ignorance and exploit the gullibility of the lay population conveniently placing blame of all of modern life's annoyances on a single relatively inert lump of partially oxidized carbon. <sighs> Think of all the misery people cause themselves over things like sugar. Think of the misery you've caused yourself over something as trivial as sugar or carbs. It causes a lot of misery. And that misery prompts all sorts of strange behaviors, impacting political opinions and spending habits. You think that's an accident? <laughs> 
Okay, it's probably clear now this lesson made Dr. Cashy look like he's whipping up conspiracy theories about sugar. Again, let's just, let's just assume Dr. Cashy's crazy. It's the sugar conspiracy. Everybody watch and laugh, please. Laugh. Throw down a hashtag conspiracy to draw a little bit of humor to this madness. Uh, people are just taking it too darn serious, and that's part of the issue. Possibly. I wish it was silly conspiracy stuff, but this is just covering fundamental tenets of human behavior and applying them to the real world. I'm biased. Again, that's the way she goes. So here's what you've learned. You've learned why sugar, although strictly speaking, is a polar molecule. It's a polarizing topic. And that if people had an idea of what polarized molecules were, that might solve some problems. <laughs> anyway, how that polarization in the big picture creates few winners and lots of losers. And how TCAN resolves this dilemma in a practical way, rationally, constructively, coming up right now. Okay? So this begs the question of like, okay, Dr. Cashy, if you're so gosh darn smart, why don't you fix this ludicrousness, man? Uh, well, I, I respect the fact that one size fits all advice, which is the job of public health educators and government policymakers, is a stupid idea. It's a Sisyphean feat, regardless of the practical necessity. It's dangerous. And otherwise, in other words, creating one size fits all advice is a fool's errand because it is both logically absurd and biologically absurd. <laughs> For that reason, my life is dedicated towards working with individuals instead of everybody at once. That's the difference. Helping them to become their own scientists so that they can stay healthy and happy and satisfied as they need, as they can, by dynamically adjusting what they need cognitively, emotionally, and behaviorally. I train people to appraise the situation, determine what their practical needs are, and then fulfill them. Those needs change over time, and they're trained to see and act on those changes, at which point they too can teach others to become their own personal scientists and so on. Otherwise, you're left with stupid and damaging axioms like sugar is bad, eat less, move more, and if you can't spell it, then don't eat it. <laughs> Thank you for learning today. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out! <laughs>